1: I'm Rachel Hampton and I'm Candace Lim and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. And Rachel, we've got a problem. The problem is there is something in the air and it is not only pollution. It's vibes.
2: You are so right. Like, I feel like there's, to borrow a phrase from and P. Davis, a vibe shift going on this summer, but worse. Mm-hmm. My theory is that we're just at that point in the summer where it's so hot and it's so humid that everyone's life just kind of starts melting down. Mm-hmm. At least that's what's happening around me.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like same you know all of my friends who acquired partners during the pandemic they're like fighting with them and then our friends in the industry don't have jobs and then peacock is raising their prices (laughs) like it is not even an election year so what is going on
2: i will say astrologically and i know some of you hate when i mention astrology in a serious (laughs) way but astrologically this week is kind of intense, like Venus is retrograding right now, and Ooh. there's just like a lot of energy in the cardinal signs, which are like the most, kind of some of the most important. Anyway, what seems to be happening here is that it's giving feral energy. We're mm-hmm. we're really dealing with a lot.
1: Yeah, and you know what I got to say? I think I know when the, the feral turned on, okay? <laughs> I knew when the first wall fell. Okay. And that okay. day... It was Monday when TMZ reported that Ariana Grande and her husband, Dalton Gomez, had been separated since January and they're heading toward divorce. Oh, my God. Ah! Um, they were married for about two years and then they, like, went public with their relationship right before the pandemic and got married in 2021. Candace, can I be honest with you?
2: Be it. Um... knew that Ariana was married I kind of stopped (laughs) keeping track after Pete Davidson Mm -hmm. Um, so what who
1: is a Dalton Gomez? Mm -hmm. I mean look you're on the right Side of society, because he's definitely like the leader of Ho Nation. But Dalton mm-hmm. is allegedly a luxury real estate agent. So very like selling Sunset Core. Mm-hmm. But they allegedly met because he was hired to help Ariana find a house. And oh. then he moved into the house with her. So he really helped himself help her, you know. You know, there's this thing that I've learned from selling
2: Sunset. Mm -hmm. where real estate agents will... It's called double ending a deal. Oh, my God. This sounds (laughs) like (laughs) that. Yeah. I mean, I know that we shouldn't ever be happy when a star is going through turmoil. Mm -hmm. But if we get thank you next,
1: part two out of this, Mm. I'm not mad. Me neither, right? Because the thing is, like, Ariana she's been in the UK filming Wicked this whole time which by the way the production is not filming right now because of the sag strike Mm. but you know page six reported that Dalton like flew to the UK to like mend the relationship and it just didn't work out and so I wouldn't be shocked if she is in the studio as we speak laying down some tracks but my hot take is that I feel like they got married a little quickly. Okay. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing those photos of their wedding and just being like, Ariana, do you like need to get married? Because like, couldn't you just date a little more? Could you like enjoy your engagement with the Pearl a little more? Could you like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know, release another album for me. Mm-hmm. But look, if there is one thing we know about Ariana Grande, okay, number one, she's gonna find a new man number two she's gonna write bomb music about said man mm-hmm. and number three she will find a new culture to appropriate when that <laughs> album comes out so i think at the end of the day we're good we're switching up positions but we're good okay it's so true
2: it's so true the <laughs> harajuku era for ariana is over let's see what's next
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's appropriate some, like, Portuguese chicken. Anyway, let's let's move (laughs) on. Let's move on to actually another divorce that I'm personally very devastated by.
2: Yeah, honestly, this is really really an L for hot people everywhere. Mm. Mm. So that same day as Ariana's divorce was announced, it was also announced that Sofia Vergara and Joe Manganiello are divorcing After seven years of marriage. I love this couple. Like they, the combined hotness factor of the two of them together was astronomical. I looked at them and I was like, I don't know who I want to be here. Mm. Actually, I do. I want to be in between them. (laughs) But now there's nothing between them but empty space
1: and divorce paperwork. It's no bread, all lettuce. It's very sad. You know, I'm upset. Mm. I'm very upset because... I love Sophia. I'm Modern Family Hive. I ride for Gloria all day long. But to be honest, when I come to myself, I say, am I surprised? The answer is no, because even though I think they're a great celebrity couple, I love that she was older. I love that they were both like crazy hot. And that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My one thing was that I feel like Joe talks about Dungeons and Dragons like way too much. You know, he <laughs> hosts these like celebrity D&D games at their house and he he like talks about it way too much on Jim- me Kimball, and sometimes i'm just kind of like bro like i get you're a hot nerd but you're like married to one of the most beautiful women in tv can you just like chill out i
2: have the exact opposite reaction to this i oh. there's there's nothing to me like a very conventionally attractive man being into something that is so deeply nerdy sure It makes me feel like they're a good person, and I don't know why, and I know that's probably not true, but it gives me the vibe of someone who got hot later in life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really funny. I mean, maybe my issue is that I don't like when men have interests. Anyway, I'll say this. We are talking about two couples, all of whom are extremely rich. They will be totally fine. Dalton will sell houses. He'll join Selling OC. Joe. Joe will always... Always be the star of one of cinema's most pivotal films about healthy male friendships, okay? Mm And that is Magic Mike XXL. Speak on it. Speak on it. We have to play the clip. The
2: one that changed my life. The one where he's, you know, he's dancing for that Mm -hmm. gas station attendant and trying to make her laugh with his moves. Honestly, Homegirl held out much longer than I did. I (laughs) would have folded the moment he walked into that fucking store Uh... under those
1: fluorescent lights. I would have been like, Fold it in half.
0: How much for the Cheetos
1: and Water? Gorgeous. No notes. Now, Rachel, today we may not be talking about strippers, but we are talking about something they take off. Clothes. Clothes. Specifically, we're talking about Shein. Uh, quick side note, Rachel, do you think strippers wear Shein? Honestly,
2: Candace, that's a great question. I'm gonna say yes. Okay. Not that I have any proof for this, but a seemingly everyone and their mother wears Shein, but also because I can't imagine you want to spend a lot of money on clothes that you're you're just gonna take off.
1: Mm. And
2: if there's anything Shein has, it's cheap clothing.
1: That is indeed true. And for those of you out there who have managed to avoid learning about a company that we low-key think might be one of the horsemen of the apocalypse, Congratulations, Uh, but also sorry because we're about to burst your bubble. Mm -hmm. So Shein is a fast fashion company. It's kind of like the fast fashion company right now. And if you spend any time at all on the lifestyle, beauty, fashion internet, you've probably heard some influencer either mentioning Shein or like doing a Shein haul, usually with a promo code that makes already extremely cheap clothes even cheaper. Today we are doing a very big haul from Shein. Shein, whatever it is. I think it's Shein. Hey girl, I have a Shein accessories haul.
0: This is my first time buying clothes off
2: of Shein. I went crazy man. We got about 18 items in the package.
1: Now Rachel, we here on ICY My love radical transparency. So si, <laughs> have you ever bought anything from Shein?
2: <sighs> yes. I have. I know. Pillory me.
1: It's so fair.
2: (laughs) Unfortunately, two of my favorite summer dresses are from Shein. I will say that when I was buying fast fashion, which I no longer really do, cider was my brand of choice because the Shein website confused the absolute fuck out of me. There's just so much stuff, Mm -hmm. which... makes sense when you look at the numbers. Fast fashion brands like Zara and H&M and Fashion Nova on a global scale are some of the top contributors to the climate crisis. They're models which require constantly adding new inventory that is sold at, quite frankly, ridiculous prices. They rely on inhumane working conditions and a really, really, really terrible amount of consumption and waste of textiles. So that's just the industry. That's just fast fashion. Then there's Shein. Mm. Um, According to an investigation by Rest of World, Shein added anywhere between 2,000 and 10,000 individual styles to its app each day between July and December of 2021. Every single day, they added between 2,000 and 10,000 individual styles of clothes. Other brands like Zara reportedly add about 2,000 styles over the course of a month, which is still bad. Mm -hmm. But Shein is double, triple, quadrupling that. It's it's a level of production that's basically never been seen before in human history.
1: Yeah. And let's go back to those inhumane working conditions you mentioned. You know, the only way fast fashion can afford to offer consumers the low prices they do is by severely underpaying and overworking garment workers in countries like China. Like, it's pretty safe to say that if you are buying a new dress for less than $15, someone in the supply chain is like probably being exploited and that's mm-hmm. been confirmed in regards to Xi and by a lot of reporting from Time, Business Insider, the BBC. They have all found that workers are working like 75 hour weeks for as little as $20 a day. If you know
2: about Shein at this point, it's like pretty safe to say that you also know about how shitty Shein is from a labor Mm -hmm. perspective and for the environment, which means that when Shein took a group of influencers on a factory tour earlier this month, the collective online response was something like, what? Upon interviewing the workers, a lot of them were really confused and taken back with the child labor questions and the lead in the clothing questions because they basically said our kids want to be on social media just like y'all. They're not working in factories and our clothing grows through rigorous testing before production. When I asked them questions like, what does your work week look like? How many hours do you work? What's your commute? Most of them work like 8 to 6 and their commute is like 10 to 15 minutes, just like normal. I expected this facility to be so filled with people just slaving away, but I was actually pleasantly surprised that a lot of these things were robotic and honestly everybody was just working like normal like chill sitting down they weren't even sweating we were the ones sweating walking through the whole facility this glossy little factory tour video which features you know influencers marveling at this bright clean innovation factory i don't think orwell could write this himself
1: Mm-mm-mm-mm. And, you know, this video, it drops right before Sheehan was hit with racketeering charges yeah. by a group of designers who allege that the company steals artists' designs, which is an accusation that Sheehan has faced multiple times in its history.
2: We're at a time where it is honestly easier than ever to, you know, do a little research, mamas, and mm-hmm. find out <laughs> how our clothes are made. Which makes Shein's popularity, the company is valued at $100 billion, all the more puzzling. It seems like everyone hates Shein, or at least knows that what Shein is doing is probably not great, but no one wants to stop buying it.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I just actually wanted to make a quick note that Shein is a Chinese owned company, and I've definitely seen discourse about people equating Shein's poorly made items with the stereotype that anything made in China must be of bad quality. You know, I wanted to say that, yes, it is hurtful when people use, quote, made in China to call something cheap, because I don't know, it almost sounds like they're trying to equate Chinese culture and Chinese people with mm. that word cheap. However, mm-hmm. We are talking about Shein because they are the leader in fast fashion right now. But I don't mean that like in a good way. I mean that in a soul-sucking, employee-abusing, environment-killing way. Also... Uh, just a metaphor here. Just because Joseph Coney was a person of color does not mean he deserved a pass like he was a war criminal. So oh let's God. just acknowledge that we are not criticizing Shein because they are a Chinese company. We are talking about Shein because they are one of the many fast fashion companies that are leading this discussion about the future of sustainable fashion.
2: I'm sorry, I'm still I'm still reeling from Joseph Coney. I mean, <laughs> you're, so, you're so right. Candice on so many points, um, and we'll be talking more about those points and about she and that now infamous factory tour and more with Lake and Carlton, who is a sustainable personal stylist and a fashion educator. She's been quoted talking about sustainable fashion in publications like Business of Fashion, Harper's Bazaar, and the Washington Post. And now
1: she's here with us after a short break. If you love our podcast, then maybe you should consider subscribing to Slate Plus. With Slate Plus, there are no ads on any Slate podcasts, and Slate Plus helps keep this podcast going because this show would not be possible without your support. With Slate Plus, you'll get bonus segments and episodes for shows like Slow Burn, Culture Gabfest, and Slate Money. You'll also never hit a paywall on the Slate website, meaning you get access to every article and every advice column. Just visit Slate.com slash Plus to sign up. That's Slate.com slash Plus. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded, too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back, and there are no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility in terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So...
2: And we're back with Blake and Carlton. Like we said before the break, she is a sustainable personal stylist and a fashion educator.
1: Today, we're having a conversation that's kind of about Shein and fast fashion and just the path towards a more sustainable model. But I first wanted to ask, because you're definitely the expert here, how do you define fast fashion and maybe how do you define sustainable fashion in comparison to that?
0: So fast fashion is about the speed in which something goes from the concept to the sales floor. So Zara was the first fast fashion brand officially with a lead time of only about 6 weeks. And now we see brands like Shein now that have shortened that to a week, if that. It is about churning out as much as possible at low prices to encourage people at all income levels to buy, buy, buy constantly. Um, Sustainable fashion, most people assume that it does just refer to the environment, you know, eco-friendly materials and things like that. But sustainability at its core is about maintaining resources so that the people of the world can continue to live off of those resources. So at the core, it is both about the environment, but it's also about people. You can't separate sustainability and ethics. You can't have one without the other.
1: Yeah. And you wrote this great line on Tumblr. I'd love to divest from the word sustainable when referring to brands and replace it with responsibly made. Could you tell me more about this?
0: Yeah, that was a part of a post where I said, I don't know if sustainable fashion really exists. I mean, definitely not now. I think on a small scale, absolutely with people who you know run made-to-order brands and small batch brands and things like that. But on a large scale, I don't know that we can fully say that there is any aspect of the fashion industry that is Completely 100% sustainable, no matter how you run your business. Um, responsibly made, I think, not only does it acknowledge that sustainability and ethics are intrinsically linked, but it also says look, regardless of what your idea is, it is everything. It is not just like fast fashion brands with their sustainable lines are like, you know. We're, this is our sustainable part. You know, the fabrics are better, but it doesn't change the fact that it is usually made in terrible conditions. It's exploitative of resources. These people are underpaid. They're in dangerous situations and dangerous workplaces. It doesn't change that. It's just, well, the fabric's better. Responsibly made, you can't really lie about that. You can make something out of 100% organic cotton, but it's still not responsible if the person who made it is in basically modern day slavery. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that is something that we need to emphasize on every end of it, every aspect of it, and not just kind of pick and choose what we want to say is sustainable, typically for marketing purposes.
1: I think that's such an interesting point because I'm totally thinking back to all the days I would go to H&M and I would literally shop, shop, shop. And then I would see like this really nice jacket. It's maybe $60 and it has that little tag that's like eco, Mm -hmm. the eco line. And I didn't really think about it, but I look back and I'm like, it was so naive of me to think like, That piece of clothing didn't come on the same truck made by the same hands, paid the same unhumane labor and wages to get to this mall in the middle of nowhere. You're completely right, which is that every product we hold, at least in this modern age, someone lost sleep over it. Someone Mm -hmm. wasn't paid fairly for it. There was something along the line that Mm -hmm. wasn't exactly the standard we hold ourselves to. It's also made in these huge quantities. H&M
0: right. is making millions of garments, Shein is making even more millions of garments. How sustainable can you really be if you're making enough clothes for every person to be clothed multiple times?
1: Exactly, exactly. And at the end of the day, like we are talking about, you know, a company that cares about the bottom line. H&M definitely Zara very much in the retail space but now we're kind of entering the online only version of this and so I think this is a great time to talk about Shein. I just wanted to ask like when did Shein first hit your radar and like what do you know about it? What did you think about it?
0: So I I'm a very avid like YouTube watcher. I always like have it on in the background. Um and I used to watch like I feel like Almost everybody went through this phase watching a lot of makeup creators, makeup gurus, quote unquote. Um, But then there was like that shift where kind of people kind of fell out of love with the makeup and the overconsumption of the makeup and Mm -hmm. it kind of got replaced with like the lifestyle guru and they sort of started like here's what I eat and here's where I shop and look at this haul and I saw it in conjunction with that other site Romwe which people don't talk about anymore (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah yeah Romwe and like it sounds so crazy to say the higher end fast fashion, like nasty uh-huh. gal uh-huh. uh-huh. all together. And I was like, what are these? Oh my God, what's that? And I looked into it. And even then when I think this was like 2018, like I'm broke, right? <laughs> I'm, I like clothes. I've always loved clothes, but I'm looking at like these prices and I'm like, I don't know that I trust that. Like Mm -hmm. I good for you that you got everything. And meanwhile, they're trying it on and it's crap. (laughs) But I'm like, that's great that you got that purchase, but it's always like shady to me. It's always been like, and I'm someone who loves a bargain. Like... And I'm still like, girl, I don't know about that. I don't know about that $10. <laughs> that dress. No, no, no. I don't know if that's what's going to show up.
1: Yeah, it's just so funny because when you drop these names, I'm just thinking about like the Love Island UK economy and like Princess Polly and like all this stuff they're doing in the UK and just like the way that these girls are killing themselves for these deals for clothes that probably will give them an infection. That's fine. Or that bleed in the pool. Oh my God. Oh my God. Exactly. <laughs> and they're still like shelling out coupon codes and it's like, I don't need this.
0: <laughs> it's the way that we shop has changed so much. In just that five years since 2018. It's so, like it's insane. It's insane to like look at how going like to Ross and finding like something that only costs $10 on clearance was like, oh my God, this is like, this is exciting. You bragged about it. And now people are like, I'm not paying more than $10 for that. And it's like, oh my God, really? <laughs> Are you? Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think this is exactly where I want to jump in about just Shein and how big they are. I mean, mm-hmm. from your perspective, why do you think so many people to this day ride so hard for Shein specifically?
0: I would say as someone who d- did grow up poor, who is to this day broke, um, it does feel nice to be able to look at something and be able to afford it, to look at something cute, to look at something that you want, that maybe somebody else that you follow or that you like has and to be able to access it. That's great. Like I grew up looking at Seventeen Magazine and thinking like, oh my God, those jeans are $60. I don't have $60. (laughs) And that's still reality for a lot of people. So you give them something that is not only incredibly trendy, incredibly cheap, incredibly accessible. It feels like getting something that you've been denied. At the same time, I think a lot of it has to do with just the way that social media has kind of encouraged us to live our lives. Sure, I think every single aspect of life has been made into something that you can aspire to by influencers. It's this idea that if you're doing well in life, then you have all this stuff. And even if you're not doing well in life, well, you can have all this stuff and, you know, you can pretend that you're doing well in life.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the cost is actually probably the most base desire of it all, because, you know, we all know that people, influencers, humans, our moms, they post the best version of themselves on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And so I can understand growing up in this digital age and being like, what if the best version of myself cost $10? I would pay it, right? Because you're like, I just want to be a part of something. I want to also tag Princess Polly. I also just want to be at that level. I get it. I mean, you
0: even see it with the aspiring influencers who are spending hundreds and thousands of dollars on stuff, hoping that the brand will notice them and then pay them to Mm -hmm. continue buying stuff and have other people buy stuff. It's just this idea that like, Anything you want, you can get it, you can have it. So we're talking about social media
2: and something that has really surprised me is seeing the responses you get, Lakin, when you talk about Xi'an. You're usually just reiterating facts we all know by now about their record on labor violations or the ecological impact, but somehow you still get this really intense, almost emotional pushback that like I said has been really surprising to see and I'm wondering a how do you feel about that and b what do you think about the defenses that these people come to you with which is that criticizing Shein is classist and fat (laughs) phobic okay you just rolled your eyes so I think I have a general sense of how you feel
0: it's not that I don't understand where that comes from and I would never want to invalidate people's feelings. like I said, it is something that a lot of people the the quote unquote right to be trendy is something that a lot of people have been denied and cute clothes are to this day hard to find for entire populations. But when people say oh it's classist, the thing is the bottom line, is there are people that are suffering because you don't know where to look for clothes. I'm not saying there's a million options for everybody out there, but to access fast fashion in itself is a privilege. You know, I have spoken before. I have been homeless. I have been unbanked. I have not been able to shop online, not been able to buy Anything, but I still had clothes. It's this like complete detachment from the idea that you are in a privileged position yourself. And when someone is talking about how something is harming people that are even below you, kind of this idea that, like, but I'm actually the worst off in this situation. I'm talking about garment workers that are. Working in sweatshops, actively being disabled, actively being mistreated, sleeping on the floor, you know, not knowing what they're going to eat because they can't afford to with their passports confiscated. And you're like, but like, I really want the strawberry dress and I can't have it. We're going to take a quick
2: break, but when we come back, we're going to talk all about that Shein factory influencer trip, which is a sentence I never thought I would say. But more importantly, we're going to talk about Lakin's hilarious reaction to it.
1: Do you know about these stories? In 1933, Huey Long invented a holiday to prevent a bank from collapsing. In 1960, years before he was assassinated, someone tried to kill JFK with a car bomb. And in 2014, remember this, there was a whole news cycle about President Obama's tan suit. On the podcast This Day in Esoteric Political History, we talk about the forgotten stories that may teach us a lot about the very strange moment we're living in right now. Check it out, This Day in Esoteric Political History from Radiotopia.
2: And we're back. We are here to talk about this Shein Influencer brand trip. So tell me, Lakin, when did this first hit your feed?
0: Honestly, I like to think that I am not a overly optimistic person. I'm not always rainbows and butterflies. I try to be in many ways. But I didn't think that it would get here. <laughs> I did not th- I was like, you know what? It's been pretty chill lately. We haven't heard much about She. <laughs> I was in a false sense of security. I hadn't tweeted about it in a while. I was like, you know, they're terrible, but they're kind of in the back of my head right now. I've got so many other things to focus on. And then this hits my Twitter. I did not think they would hire a bunch of influencers to come and tour a fake fact. That just mm. wouldn't even... That I that's not even something I can conceptualize. <laughs> My brain doesn't have that capacity and I think it is such a level of evil and I'm very happy that I could never think of it. <laughs>
1: You're right there, Lincoln. You're right there with the rest of us. I will say my first reaction to this video was I genuinely thought it was fake. Like I thought it was actually AI because there was just something a little like uncanny valley about it. And I was like, I'm sorry, confidence activist. That's a real job. Oh, my God. We're just making up. <laughs> no. We're just making up LinkedIn's now. You know, we're talking about this Shein influencer trip that broke the Internet. You know, last month, a group of, let's say, decently popular and, like, interestingly diverse influencers were taken on this tour of an alleged Sheehan factory. And, you know, they post typical videos you get after, like, an influencer brand trip, except this time they were suggesting that Contrary to like every single report of working conditions in Shein, that they saw workers, that they talked to them, that the workers were happy and healthy and smiling. And we have to bring up this kind of iconic part of the video. It's from Danny Carbonari at it's Danny DMC, also known as a confidence activist. Um, it's been deleted from her account, but it's still up on Shein's, and we're gonna play a little bit of that video.
0: Is that I've seen the exact process of Shein clothing. I've seen how it's designed. I've seen how it's made. I've now I'm going to see how it's packaged and shipped off. And I feel like that's such a unique perspective to be able
2: to see as not only a creator but a consumer of Shein.
0: The idea that this this little room because it wasn't it wasn't even that big. It looked it looked like it was probably the size of my apartment, which is an apartment. Not a factory. <laughs> the idea that this is where ends thousands of new garments a day are produced right here in our little cottage. <laughs> <thing>. our, little, <laughs> our little fashion, little workshop. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. My favorite part of the video was when she said, I expected to see them. What chained to their machines and and a sweatshirt? I'm like, so you expect, That's what you expect. And, and they still wanted to go. That's you, the worst and part. You still locked in. Yeah. That's not very confidence activist view.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually think the issue is she was too confident and she was activated Ooh. because of the confidence. My first hot take on all of this is you know, these there are several influencers in this video who have spoken about this and they keep claiming I went up and I touched the people who worked on these clothes and they said they were living their best life. That's a paraphrase. My first question <laughs> is do any of you speak Chinese? Do any of you <laughs> actually have language that you both share unto which you? You can express I'm doing well. Thank you so much.
2: And the way that all of us reacted is pretty much the way the internet reacted. I I saw shock. I saw befuddlement. I saw just tears of I can't believe we're actually seeing propaganda on our feed by influencers. But something that really struck me. About the backlash, just people pointing out that Sheehan had picked these like very specific influencers for this trip. Danny's a plus size woman. The trip included a fair amount of influencers of color. But in the grand scheme of influencing, they're still like kind of small. Danny mentioned that this was her very first brand trip. And so I'm curious, Lakin, I wanted to get your take on why do you think Sheehan chose these specific influencers for this specific trip?
0: Oh, that's absolutely on purpose. They couldn't pick like, an Alex Earl or, uh, what an Emma Chamberlain, they can pick a a big, a big creator because that would be in a lot of ways, I think too obvious. Mm -hmm. I mean, the job of an influencer is to be frank, a corporate shill, but once you get to a certain level, it's like too shilly. Like these are small, they're independent. They're, they're small. They're, they're indie in that they are marginalized they are above reproach because what you expect them to not take the shein money they have families to feed that's absolutely on purpose to be able to say look at how we support these small creators it's the same kind of philosophy behind their artist program shein has an incubator where they collaborate with designers and they the designers design and and They walk them through the whole process of manufacturing it and everything. So they said that they have worked with over 3,000 designers and artists who have earned almost over $5 million across, and this is where it gets insane, 25,000 items. Now, I'm no mathematician, but $5 million for 25,000 items divided among 3,000 people, was it worth it? Was it worth it to make, I think, (laughs) $1,200? They don't do it to make money. They have enough money. They do it because they want to look like, no, actually, we do support people. Not the people that make our clothes, mind you, but like other people that you might know that, you know, have faces and like Instagram accounts where they could make us sound really good. So yeah, it's entirely intentional. It's all it's all very insidiously crafty, if you will.
1: Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lakin, something that you're totally like making me realize is there is such a good reason why they didn't go for like Danielle Bernstein or Alex Earle. And it's because those people have teams who would tell them don't do it. And that's the thing. Shein, this is a corporation that unfortunately makes billions of dollars each year, is preying, if not on you, then your friends and your family and your cousins. And the thing is, they're not going to go after someone like, oh, I don't know, Taylor Swift, who signed a crypto deal with FTX. Like, the New York Times reported that FTX was actually the one who dropped the deal, but her team went through like six months of discussion and research and legal because that is their job. She has the money to be protected. With Sheehan they went for people who were vulnerable. They went for influencers who unfortunately were preyed on for that naivete and ignorance. And I like unfortunately feel like the influencers got shafted even more than Sheehan. Like these influencers are getting absolutely demolished. And it kind of makes sense because they didn't have the same foundation that Sheehan has to confront all of this backlash, because guess what? People are still buying Sheehan right now during this taping as we speak.
0: It's funny that you mentioned Taylor Swift, because I think that Taylor Swift and Sheehan have something in common. And it is that no matter, I know that's such a weird <laughs> it it's no matter how big they get, people treat them like the underdogs and defend them like they're an underdog because there's this idea of taylor swift she just writes songs from the heart and she does it to speak to us the youth the teenagers the girls who are so often overlooked and she in oh they make they sell these clothes for so cheap to help us the you know those of us who are poor those of us who are plus size those of us who are this and can't access you know the trends it's like no Neither of them is doing that for you. Mm -hmm. They're doing it for money and you're giving them a lot of money and they have a lot of money. You don't have to defend them. They will be so fine because they are so fine after this trip. And they're going to be so fine after the lawsuit that just got filed by a group of independent artists that were copied by Shein. They have brought not only copyright charges against Shein, but also RICO charges against Shein racketeering, whatnot. They say that the CEO is a shadowy, mysterious tech genius who nobody knows anything about. And they go into depth about how the algorithm is, quote, creativity-free, and that it literally just picks up things that are trending and then reproduces them with sweatshop labor. And then on top of that, if... Because their company structure as I think the word that was used was Byzantine. If you can even figure out who to sue at Shein to recuperate some of your losses from having your art copied, they do limited runs for every SKU so that they can report low sales to get lower settlements.
2: Right. And SKU or SKU stands for stock keeping unit. Which basically is this unique identification code or like the barcode you see on a tag. It's how retailers keep track of inventory.
0: So say they produced, you know, a million of your stolen art, but maybe they did that with 10 different SKUs. Maybe they did that with a hundred different SKUs. So they can just say, well, here's the SKU. Here's here's the product. We only sold 10,000 of them, but they actually sold 10,000 of them 10,000 times under different listings different product images all of this and there's no way to prove it there's no way to even they don't reveal any numbers they don't have any sort of transparency they can just they do whatever they want they're like amazon but worse even worse and that's crazy (laughs)
2: I mean, that's terrifying, especially from an environmental perspective. This goes into what I think will probably be our last question, which is, you said that Sheehan is going to be fine after this lawsuit and after this factory video controversy. And it is, you're right. Massive amounts of cheap clothing that's being produced by exploited people that is then being dumped Everywhere after people get sick of it. I'm not an optimist. I don't know if people are going to consume less. I don't know if the trend cycles are going to slow down. I honestly feel like they're probably not. All that to say, Laken, what do you think is actually going to happen or needs to happen?
0: Yeah, I hate it, but a lot of things have to happen. And I mean a lot. One, people are going to have to start being paid more. Mm -hmm. Two, There's going to have to be some kind of laws holding these companies accountable for the entire lifespan of a garment, not just what they sold, but also what they threw away. And then it's going to have to be just a cultural shift towards the way life was not too many years ago where we are buying less, where we do value our clothes more. Um, For me, I think the path to that, at least partially, is localization. Mm -hmm. I think that this idea that nothing we have is really made, let alone not even in our country, let alone in our state or our city. I think that's ultimately extremely detrimental to the way that we approach our goods. The fact that we don't know who is creating these things, what they're made of. There's no accountability. I think localization of at least major things, like maybe some of our clothes, maybe our food, things like that. I think that would go a long way to teaching us to value things more. Um, I don't know that it'll happen in my lifetime. I would love to see Shein shut down um, in my lifetime. Um, it's funny, the there were a group of investors in Nike who actually have started to hold Nike accountable for how their goods are made and the traceability and the ethics because they don't like the way it is, um, mm-hmm. especially with the current issues of um, cotton being produced by slave labor in parts of China, um, and I hate to say, it's gonna be the people with money who start, mm-hmm.
2: yeah,
0: who start raising the alarm. It's gonna be the billionaires. Shein is. They say that they're talking about an IPO coming up. And I think if that happens, it's going to be the people who want to invest, who obviously ultimately want to make money off of Shein, but it's going to be them who have to kind of start that ball rolling.
2: Alright, that is the show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to never miss an episode, to never miss a debrief on the state of fast fashion. Spoiler alert, it's bad. Please leave a rating and review in Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at IcyYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, what's a confidence activist? And you can also always drop us a note at
1: IcyYMI at Slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Sierra Sparkley Ricks, Rachel Hampton, and me, Candace Lim. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's Vice President of Audio. See you online. Or at an innovation
2: factory. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.